1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to finish up the chapter today starting in verse 12. And we'll read the last few verses through uh, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12. While everybody's turning, it's... Uh, you know, the, the older I get, the more I appreciate the sacrifices that the men and women have made for this country, that we can have the freedom to come here today and to worship freely. And, and you know, I know we say it a lot that, that, that we have a great freedom here. And, and boy, we, I, think we did, I think it's good for us to set aside times like Memorial Day to be reminded uh, because a price was paid, a great price was paid. Many uh, gave their life. Many uh, who, who perhaps are still living are facing uh, many of the struggles and, and, and things that come along with uh, fighting for our country. So I want to say a special thanks to uh, any men and women that are here today that have served. Uh, I appreciate what you have done, and uh, it's, 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 a, it's a gift. It's a blessing from the Lord that we have this country to live in, and we do not need to take that for granted. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. I'll give you guys a little recap of where we were last week. Last week we talked a little bit about uh, some disputes, some conflicts that sometimes happen in the church. Uh, sometimes even among believers we have conflicts and we, we, we kind of fight and we're not able to work things out. And that was what was going on in Corinth. And, and it doesn't really tell us in those verses exactly what was going on, what the dispute was over. And that's not of much significance. The, the real point was that there were Christians who were not able to work out their differences. Instead, they were spilling out uh, outside of the church and they were going before unbelievers to try to get advice. And Paul said, shame on you that nobody in the church is wise enough to be able to get together and say, hey, look, let's work this situation out. Now, we don't know what the conflict was, but, but, but the verses before that, Paul was talking about an inappropriate relationship a son uh, was having with his father's uh, wife. And then in these verses we're going to look at today, we are going to see sexual immorality mentioned again, and, and even in the verses after what we look at today. And so uh, with those verses that we looked at last week sandwiched in, it's possible that it could have had something to do along the same lines as the verses uh, before and after. But Paul is kind of shifting gears uh, this week uh, from what we talked about last week. We talked about conflict resolution and how we as Christians should uh, be able to work things out. And sometimes uh, it may even call for us to turn the other cheek, as Jesus would say. Even if we have been wronged, Paul would say it is sometimes better for us to just take that wrong and put up with it than to retaliate and to do wrong in return. And so that's kind of what we talked about last week at the beginning of chapter 6. So we will read through uh, these last few verses, and then we'll just kind of break them down and talk about uh, what they say. Verse 12. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be brought under the control of anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will do away with both of them. The body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? 
So should I take a part of Christ's body and make it a part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? For Scripture says the two will become one flesh. But if anyone joined to the Lord, is anyone, excuse me, but anyone joined to the Lord is one with Him. Run from sexual immorality. Every sin a person can commit is outside the body. On the contrary, the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Let's pray. God, I pray that as we look at just these few verses today, that there will be something here that we need to hear, God, something that's going to help us draw closer to you. You know where we are in life. You know what we're struggling with, dear Lord. And so I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit would just speak through me this morning, that your word would speak to each one of us, God, that you would hide me behind the cross, God, that you would humble me here, God, that, that every word that's spoken here would, would bring glory to you, that everything that we see in your word today, God, would cause each of us to seek you and examine our own lives to see if maybe there's something here that we need to hear this morning. And so I pray that you be with us as we read these words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verse 12 says, Everything is permissible for me. Now there is some debate as to, as to how we are to take these, these words. Now, we've talked about this in the past. Anytime you translate from one language to another, it is very, very difficult. Uh, there are things in other languages, there are things that we do in the English language which are not in other languages and which do not translate well. And one of those things is quotations. Uh, there are some of your Bibles who may have the phrase, everything is permissible for me, in the couple of times as it's mentioned, in quotations. That is, Paul is quoting something that is being said. Some of your translations may not have the quotations there. And so it's up for the translators to decide based on the other wording and verbs and things that go along in the context of the sentence to decide when there needs to be quotes in Scripture and when there does not need to be quotes in Scripture. So you may find times uh, in your Bible, not only in this uh, particular passage, but possibly in other passages where uh, some translations may have it presented as a quote while others do not. Now that makes a little bit of a difference in this text because one, if, if it's a quotation, it would appear as though Paul is just repeating something that may have already been said among the Corinthian believers. If it is not a quote, it could be something that Paul is, is saying in and of itself. Now I don't think that this, either way that you want to take it or interpret it, I don't think it takes away from the passage. Excuse me. But, but I do believe... Personally, it's just my belief. I do think that Paul is probably quoting something here that is being said among the Corinthians. And it seems to make sense that this phrase, everything is permissible to me, may have been something that they were saying that was causing and leading them to get into this sinfulness that was taking place. And so uh, that's kind of how I'll teach it today because I think that that's probably uh, the way that it is intended. But it could not be. So keep that in mind if, if your, your Bible has something different. But Paul says, everything is permissible for me, 
but not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be brought under the control of anything. And so if the Corinthian people had this attitude that everything is permissible, that is, they can do everything, Paul was saying, okay, everything is permissible, but not everything is helpful. And everything is permissible, but he's saying, look, not if, you shouldn't be to a point where any, any sin or anything uh, brings you under its control. And so whatever was going on in the Corinthian church, as many problems as they had, uh, one of those problems was sexual immorality. And it would appear from the reading of this text and other texts that, that, that it seems as though the people of Corinth had allowed uh, some of their ideas and some of their wants and desires to begin to control them. Now, if they had this idea that everything is permissible to them, where did they get this idea? How did they get off track, and why, why was this their train of thought? Well, perhaps they had taken some of Paul's own words and teachings that they had heard and twisted them. I really don't know. I don't know where this idea of everything being permissible might have come from, but I'll read you a few scriptures that, that may be where they got this idea. One from, comes from uh, Colossians chapter 2. If you want to turn there, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. I'm just going to read you a couple of verses. You can look them up later if you would like. I encourage you to. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, uh, Paul is addressing uh, some, different, some different things here, not sexual immorality, but possibly they, take, they took words like these and twisted them around. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of, fest of a festival or new moon or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what was to come. The substance is the Messiah. So here Paul is saying, look, there was some dispute, some debate in that day over, over which parts of the law should be kept, which things should be done, which things should not be done, which food should be ate, when should we meet for worship, should we keep the Sabbath, should we not keep the Sabbath. And Paul talks about these things in, in pretty good detail in Galatians. We just went through that a few weeks ago, some of you remember. And he was trying to get the people's focus from merely just following the letter of the law to following Jesus Christ. And in, in that, I believe we see uh, that Paul points out that, look, these things are, are, are not of, of major importance. It doesn't matter what food you eat. It doesn't matter necessarily what day you worship the Lord. What matters is that you worship the Lord and that you don't get sidetracked uh, with different details. Eat what you want to eat. Now, possibly... Uh, perhaps people had heard Paul's teachings and things such as this, and they had just uh, kind of expanded that to mean, well, if everything's good to eat, then everything's good to do, and I can do whatever I wanted to. And perhaps they had used that as a justification to spill over into the sexual sin that was taking place there. Perhaps they'd use verses like this as a justification. Perhaps uh, there are verses like Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. So perhaps there were some who had heard teachings like this that said, well, hey, the law tells us not to do this, but Paul's telling us we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace, so therefore... We must be able to do everything we want to do. Everything is permissible to us. Everything is okay because Jesus died on the cross and all is good. 
Now, if they did that, shame on them because they should have just listened or read a little further down in Paul's writing because after Paul makes this statement in Romans chapter 6, he clarifies and makes sure that the reader or the hearer would understand what he's talking about. He says in verse 15, What then? Should we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He says, if we as Christians think that just because we're not under the law, but we're under the grace of Jesus Christ now, that gives us a, a license to sin and do whatever we want to, then hold up. Now, it kind of sounds to me like that might be the attitude that at least some of the Corinthians had. And it may be the attitude that some of us in here have or have had or will be tempted to have from time to time. We're under grace. Jesus died for us. He's going to forgive us, so we might as well just do whatever we want to do and live the good life and sin, sin, sin. Well, that's a bad idea. If, if that's your attitude, if that's your heart, then you don't really realize the price that has been paid, as Paul said. You don't fully realize God's grace, and you don't fully appreciate and understand the love that Jesus Christ has given you on the cross. And I believe that that is the exact problem that was going on in the church of Corinth. They had gotten so far off track. They were obviously allowing sin to take place. They were celebrating sin. They had begun to think way too highly of themselves. And they were just going through and doing whatever they wanted to do. And Paul was saying, look, these things aren't helpful to you. These things aren't beneficial to you. These things, not only are they not beneficial, but they are harming you spiritually and probably harming them physically as well. Verse 13. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will do away with both of them. Now this is kind of a weird verse for me. I'm just going to be honest. As I studied this, I kind of struggled with trying to figure out exactly what, what Paul meant there and what was trying to be implied there and and I really don't know exactly what what Paul was trying to get across there and you guys I encourage you to study it if you want to learn more about it maybe you can you can come up with a better answer and, and, and help me out if you find something better but 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 the most common thought as to what Paul may be implying there is that perhaps they were they were trying to justify what they were doing that is, they were saying, hey, when I get hungry, my stomach wants food, so I give it food. It's a natural desire for my stomach to want food. God made food for the stomach, and so when my stomach is hungry, I give it what I want. And perhaps they were using that as a justification to say, well, sometimes my body desires uh, sexual things, and so when my body desires food, I feed it. So why not, whatever my body desires, why don't I just give it whatever it desires? And possibly that is what Paul uh, was saying to the people here. He was calling out a justification that they were saying, hey, look, we can do what we want to do. We're under grace. We're free through Jesus Christ. I'm just going to give my body what it wants. Obviously, if my body wants it, it must be good for me. But Paul says, hey, look, not everything that our body desires is good for us. There are many things that our body may desire, that our flesh may desire, that are very much sinful, that are not at all good for us, that are not helpful to us that will cause us to get under sin's control and so Paul says when you're doing something first look at it is it helpful to you and two are you controlled by it 
Because if we're controlled by our sin, then guess what? We're probably not listening to the Lord. We're probably not under the Lord's control. We're following our sinful desires rather than God's desires. Let's read a little further. The body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Now he's, he's, he's calling the people of Corinth back to Jesus. He's reminding them how they were, uh, what Jesus did, how Jesus was raised from the grave and how Jesus uh, gives us the victory when we accept him and how we too will be raised with Jesus. That our body is not our own anymore. That when we uh, become a child of God, when we accept Jesus Christ, our, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It is the Lord's body. He gives it to us. It's a vessel we use while we're here on the earth. And the Lord indwells in us. And we need not forget that as Christians. That whatever gifts or abilities that God has given us, uh, that, that our bodies can do for the work of the Lord, then we should use our bodies for the service of the Lord, not for the service of sin. Especially if we are Christians. We can't have it both ways. We can't straddle the fence and say, well, I'm a Christian and I have this new body that God's given me, but Jesus gave me grace, so therefore I'm going to use this body and I'm going to do all I want to and it's going to be good and I'm going to live this life well and then I'm going to die and go to heaven and everything's going to be okay. Paul's saying these things don't add up. These things don't add up. Sometimes perhaps our actions don't match our words. Obviously, these people in Corinth were claiming to be children of God. They were claiming to be Christians, but their actions did not line up. They didn't, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't go along with what their words were saying. And Paul was reminding them, as well as us who are reading these words, that our bodies belong to the Lord. And we need to be careful how we do things and what we do. Keeping our bodies healthy making sure we don't get involved in sins such as these that Paul was addressing in the church in Corinth. Don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? So should I take a part of Christ's body and make it part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? For Scripture says the two will become one flesh. So Paul is pointing out to them here that what, what to them was just pleasure was not a big deal. He was saying, look, in the eyes of God, this is a big deal. And don't forget that you are part of the body of Christ. And look at what you are doing. Look at how you are acting. Look at, look at these inappropriate things that you apparently just continue to do and do and do. And they're pleasurable for you, but... In the sight of God, that's not what God's intention was for a man and a woman. When God gives us that, that, that great gift, that, that consummation that comes along with the marriage, that is a gift of God. That is, that is, something, that is something so much more than just saying word. That is, that is what binds two people together. The two become one flesh. And so Paul is saying when you give in to this sin, you need to realize what you're doing. You're giving in to way more than just some simple pleasure. Then in the eyes of God, every time this sin is being committed, 
these two are becoming one flesh and these two are becoming one flesh and these two are becoming one flesh and all the while you're claiming to be part of the body of Christ but you're putting the body of Christ right in the midst of this nasty, horrible sinfulness and you need to realize what you're doing. And how many times do we possibly use our bodies and sin against the Lord? How many times do we use the same mouth that we sing songs and praise the Lord and say, I'm going to pray with you? How many times do we use that same mouth and then we go and talk to somebody and we cut them down, we talk about them, we gossip about them? Now, I understand these verses are talking about sexual sin, but I think that this same concept, this same idea applies to all sin in our life. How many times do we do we profess and say, oh, I'm a, I'm a part of the body of Christ, but then we go out and we use different parts of our body for sin and we, and we do things that don't build up the body of Christ but destroy the body of Christ. And that's what was going on in the church of Corinth. These people weren't building up the body of Christ. They were destroying the body of Christ. They were making what Christ did on the cross seem so insignificant. It didn't, it didn't have any power from them. They didn't, for them, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't respect that. They didn't care about that. Obviously, they didn't look at their actions. And the question we have to answer is, are we any better? Do we respect what Jesus did on the cross any more than them? Or are we just like the Corinthian people? We wave our Christian flag, so to speak. We say all the right things at church. We say all the right things when we're around other Christians. But then we go out into the world and we live a life of sinfulness and we run our mouth and we do things we shouldn't do and we completely tear down anything good that God wants to do. It's bad when an unbeliever goes around doing a bunch of sinful things. I think it's even worse when a Christian goes around doing a bunch of sinful things. We need to remember that we represent the Lord. I know I said this a week or two ago in our sermon, but we don't need to forget that. That every action we do, everything we say, represents the Lord. And depending on what it is that we do or what it is that we say, determines on whether or not we represent our Lord in a good way or in a bad way. Because our Lord is good. But sometimes people don't see that because of our actions. Sometimes people don't see the God of love that the Bible talks about. Sometimes they see a God and they say, I don't want to have anything to do with that God because I'm no better than them. I'm no better than him. I'm no better than her. And so we need to be aware of what we're doing and make sure that our actions line up with our words that we speak. <laughs> and in the case of the church of Corinth, those things weren't lining up and they didn't, they didn't appreciate what Jesus did on the cross. So Paul's advice to them is a good advice for us too, not just in sexual sin, but in any sin. He says in verse 18, run from sexual immorality. Now some translations may use the word flee or possibly escape. I think flee or escape is probably the more accurate translation there as to what the original word was. But the idea is the same, whatever your translation may be. And that is, get away from sin. Run from it. Flee from it. Escape from it. Because sin wants to, wants to hold you captive. And if any of us were held captive and we had an opportunity to escape from our captor who was mistreating, who was harming us, 
wouldn't we do so? Wouldn't it be pretty foolish for us if we, if we had been captured and we were in a horrible situation and all of a sudden one day somebody left the door of the cell open and the keys to the handcuffs there and we could free ourselves and we could run and get away from those who were holding us captive? Wouldn't it be foolish if we said, I'm just going to sit here a little longer? But you know we do that with sin. Boy, sin, it, it holds us captive, it holds us burdened, it weighs us down. It, it, just, it just makes us where we can't be free. It, it, we just become a slave to sin. And God's Word says, hey, you need to run from it. Uh, just turn to Jesus Christ, repent of your sins. Just flee from that, get away from that bondage, get, get, get into that freedom to free you from that burden of that sin. And how many times do we just keep on living in sin? That's pretty foolish, ain't it? But Paul says, look, here's the problem. Here's what's going on. Here's what you're dealing with. But don't stay there. Run from it. Get away from it. He's trying to get their attention. Maybe the Lord is trying to get some of our attentions here today in this church. And the words that Paul spoke to them are just as good for you and I. We need to run from that sin that is in our life. I couldn't help but the first thing, when I, when I read that verse, when I read the word run, the first thing I thought about was Forrest Gump. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that movie before, but one of the most famous lines, a run, Forrest, run. And I had to watch the scene. I said, I don't remember that. I had to watch it. And I watched the scene, and sure enough, Forrest was there. You know, he had these big old things on his leg, these big old metal things, because he couldn't walk good. And he just barely was able to wobble around. And he had this girl, Jenny, that he just loved. And they were young, and they were walking home from school one day. And all of a sudden, these mean bully kids come, and they start throwing rocks. And they were just pelting him, just hitting him. His forehead was bleeding. And you know what he did? He ran. He didn't just stand there and take it. He didn't just keep getting pelted. He didn't keep getting beat up. All the while, his girlfriend, his encourager was there. Jenny was there saying, Run, Forrest, run! And he began to run. And it was kind of tough at first. It was tough to get away because he was, he was burdened down with all these shackles and stuff on his legs. And as he began to run, those things began to break. And the further he got along, the, further, uh, the faster he was able to run until eventually he completely broke free from all that medical equipment he was wearing. And he ran ran like the wind, and he got away. And I thought, you know what, that's what it's kind of like for us as Christians. Sometimes sins come, and it begins to, to pester us and be a burden to us. But Forrest Gump didn't just stand there and keep getting pegged in the head with rocks. No, he ran from it. He says, this ain't good for me, this hurts. No good's going to come from this. And when he first started running, he was slow. It was hard for him to get away. It was hard for him to keep going. The rocks were still coming. They were still close. But the further he separated himself from the danger, the easier it got. The faster he was able to run, the more freedom he had until eventually he was able to escape the danger that was there trying to get him. And that's what it's like for us in our life. Sin comes and it tries to attack us. It tries to get us down. And at first it's hard to get the momentum. And maybe we need an encourager just like Forrest Gump has. That's why it's important for us as a church when we see our brothers and sisters in sin, don't judge them, don't condemn them, don't run them out the door, but go to them and encourage them. And say, run! Flee! Get out of here! Free yourself! You don't have to take this! Run! Christian, run! And the more we have that encouragement, word from our friend maybe that's just the extra push we need to not look back at sin but to say I'm going to get it and we just pray to God and say God help me to run like the wind help me to take these 
these, these sins that so easily ensnare that's got our spiritual legs entangled to where we can barely move. God, break free these chains of sin that have us weighed down so that we can run free. And that's what Paul is telling the people of Corinth to do. He's saying, run from your sin. Don't keep living in this sin. Don't keep living this way. Get out. Turn the other way and head from your sin. But don't just head from your sin. Head toward the Lord. Sometimes, I think as Christians, we see we're going down a bad road with one sin and we turn, but we don't turn completely around and instead we, we seek another sin for comfort. But what Paul is saying is not just flee from your sin, but run to the Lord. Run from your sin, but run to the Lord. Verse 18. Run from sexual immorality. Every sin a person can commit is outside the body. On the contrary, the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Boy, he reminds them. He says, look, you're living in this sinfulness. You think you can just live this good life. You can do what you want to do. But he's saying, remember who you are. One, you're a child of God. And two, don't forget the price that was paid. Jesus didn't die on a cross so that we can run around and sin all that we want to. That's not why Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Absolutely he did. Jesus died on the cross because he wanted us to be forgiven of those sins. But he didn't die on the cross just so we can go out and live the good life and do whatever we want. And if we think that, and we call ourselves a Christian, then we need to do some serious examination of our life. We need to do some serious praying to the Lord. We need to do some serious reading of God's Word about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ about what he went through. Because what he did wasn't easy. It's not like Jesus came down from heaven with one of those fancy metal black American Express cards that they have to ask you to give. And he said, all right, I see the price of their sins. I want to pay it. He just went up there, slid it, and said, all right, I'm checking out. I'm going back. If it would have been that easy, that would have been great. But it wasn't that easy for Jesus Christ. The price that was paid was far more than any American Express, Discover card, any kind of card or any kind of money that you can have. The price that Jesus paid was far greater than anything this world has ever seen. The price that he paid for us was his own life. And it was a tough life that he gave for us there at the end. And we as Christians need to be reminded of the price that was paid. It wasn't just a little money. It was the very life of the Son of God. And He did that because He wanted to. And that's the craziest part of all. And that's worthy of our respect. That's worthy of our praise. That's worthy of us thinking twice before we sin. We need to remember the price that was paid. Now maybe the Corinthians didn't know it, although it seems that they did. But it, at best, they had just forgotten what Jesus had done. 
At worst, they just didn't care what Jesus had done. At best, they were just Christians who had gotten off track and gone the wrong way and turned from the Lord. At worst, they were people who were professing to be Christians that didn't ever really have a relationship with the Lord at all. And so we need to examine our lives as Christians to see where we are, to see if there is maybe a little bit of sin that we are putting up with, that we are enjoying, that we are continuing to do, that maybe we need to run from. Maybe there are some of you that realize today, you know what, maybe I've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been to church a lot, but you realize for the first time today that you never had the Holy Spirit, that you never had Jesus indwelling in your life. Praise the Lord if the Holy Spirit has, has revealed that to you today and you realize you need to come down and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe there's some of you who are Christians and maybe you just let a little sin creep in and it's just begin to rule you or begin to control you just as it had the Corinthians. Perhaps you have justified it and convinced yourself that everything is okay because you're in Christ. Well, everything is okay if you're in Christ. Praise the Lord for that, but it's not okay to keep on going about and sinning. We are under grace. We are not under the law. But does that give us a reason to go out and sin all the more? As Paul says, absolutely not. Let us not forget the price that was paid, the life that was given, and the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Let's pray. God, we come to you today, and this is some heavy words, God. This is some serious stuff that was going on in Corinth. And God, there's serious stuff that goes on in our life. The world hadn't changed. People hadn't changed. The temptations to do things that our bodies desires hasn't changed, dear Lord. The, 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 the ability and the desire for us to be able to, to try to justify what we do so we can keep on doing it, dear Lord, that hadn't changed. But God... Neither has Jesus. He hadn't changed either. And we need not forget what Jesus did on the cross for us. We need not to forget that that forgiveness is still there. So help us if we've been a little too comfortable with sin, dear Lord, that we'd get uncomfortable with sin. That we wouldn't just walk along sin's side and think everything is going good. But dear Lord, that you would convict us so that we're not comfortable with sin. That you would help us to see the, to feel the pain that sin brings, dear Lord. To see the, the burden, the enslavement that sin puts on our life. God, and help us just to encourage one another to run from sin. To hang, to, to hang tough, dear Lord, to continue to trust you. And dear Lord, when you reveal that sin to us and we're staring it in the eye, that instead of giving in, dear Lord, that we would turn and that we would run. That we would flee, that we would escape that sin in our life. God, I pray that maybe there's one in this room that has never accepted you, Lord Jesus, has never given their life to you. Maybe, maybe they've come to church a lot. Maybe they, they've gone through the motions, but maybe they, they know that something is just missing. God, maybe now they feel that they need to give their life to you. They need to come down and, and just acknowledge that to the world that they have made to their Lord and Savior, and maybe they're scared of what people are going to think, dear Lord. Maybe the devil's messing with them thinking, They've been going to church their whole life. What are people going to think if they come down and, and, and admit that they've been living a lie? God, don't, don't let them give in to that. Don't let them be deceived, dear Lord. If there are any that need to accept Jesus Christ, let them feel that and just 
come to Jesus Christ, accept Him, accept His forgiveness, and just acknowledge that to the world, dear Lord, and follow through in, in baptism, God, and celebrate that, that your Holy Spirit has spoken to them and revealed their need for a Savior. God, maybe there are some that are Christians that's just been lazy, dear Lord, that's just been way too comfortable with sin. God, open our, open our eyes and open our hearts that we would turn from that. God, that we would run from that. God, let us be encouragers of one another. God, there are times, as we saw in your word just a couple weeks ago, that we may have to stand up and, and call people out, dear Lord. Help us to be careful when we do that. But know that sometimes as Christians we have to kind of prod and poke each other along to, to get each other's attention, God, but that we'll listen to those proddings and that we'll know that it comes from the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to get us on track. And God, let us be able to to judge mercifully if that's if that's a thing dear lord god and to be able to encourage to build our brothers up not to tear our brothers down god and our sisters dear lord that we build our brothers and sisters up and not tear them down and that we help them to have the encouragement to run from sin so god i thank you for these good words i thank you for these people that are here today and i pray that if the holy spirit is working that if there's a decision that needs to be made, a response that needs to be had, that as we sing, God, that each one here would respond to you. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.